Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. I want to thank all of our listeners from all over the world. Please do subscribe and share if you're not already. All right, let's get into it. Greetings, fellow Earthlings. Dave Smith with the podcast And Another Thing with Dave coming to you live on the stereo app thank you for tuning in we are going to be talking about colin powell this evening Uh, i want to start off by giving some props and some thanks showing a little gratitude to my listeners on anchor.fm as well as the listeners here on stereo but very excited to have listeners from 49 different countries looks like 20 percent of my listeners are coming from podcast addict 9% from Apple Podcasts, 8% from Spotify, and the rest from who knows where. They don't break it down that well. 8% of the listeners from India, 6% in the UK, 6% in Canada, 3% in Romania, 1% in the following countries. Australia, Ireland, Germany, Netherlands, Sweden, Russia, Thailand, the Czech Republic, Belgium, Bahrain, Poland, Portugal, and then just under 1% from the following countries. New Zealand, France, Norway, Brazil, Singapore, Denmark, Greece, Indonesia, Mexico, Bangladesh, the Cayman Islands, Nigeria, Finland, Spain, Pakistan, Austria, Nepal, Hungary, Israel, Sri Lanka, South Africa, Somalia, Lebanon, Chile, United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Italy, Ghana, the Philippines, Japan, Iran, and Croatia. Can't believe it. I am humbled beyond belief. Thank you so much, people. But uh, let's go ahead and get into this, talking about Colin Powell, right? Like, uh, you know, I hear so many people saying, oh, he was a good man. He was a good guy. Well, you know, he might have been a good guy, but he was also a war criminal, right? Um, So I'm going to read a little bit here from Jacobin, Jacobin. Not sure how you pronounce that, but J-A-C-O-B-I-N, jacobinmag.com. There's nothing honorable or decent about Colin Powell's long list of war crimes by Kelsey D. Atherton. Um, so let's get into this. Um, in 1962, Powell spent a year advising the South Vietnamese Army. He would return to Vietnam as a major in July 1968, working on General's staff. In that role in November 1968, he opened a letter written by Tom Glenn, an Army specialist, whose tour had ended. Glenn's letter, addressed to General Creighton Abrams, at the time in charge of the war effort in Vietnam, detailed American war crimes, though it did not name specific participants. Powell following the lead of Glenn's former commander, said at the time it was unfortunate Glenn had not brought up his allegations immediately so that they could have could be resolved through proper channels. Like, wow, how's that for political rhetoric and doublespeak, huh? So Glenn's letter arrived eight months after U.S. soldiers massacred 500 civilians 
at Mi Lai, though it would take a second letter by a different veteran to alert authorities to that cover-up. In his 1995 autobiography, Powell reports his version of what transpired when an, an investigator with the Army's Inspectorate General sat with him for an interview. Powell describes flipping through the monthly reports of the unit that committed the My Lai massacre and noting that 128 dead killed by one unit was an unusually high number, but possible in the regular course of war. The Inspector General's recording of the interview, as David Korn reported in 2001, contained no such clear realization. Prior to the letter that revealed my, the My Lai, May Lai, My Lai, I think it's the My Lai, My Lai Massacre, May Lai, I don't know. The German, the, the Army promoted the story <clears throat> that C Company had killed 128 VC and captured three weapons in the March 16th action. Korn writes, Powell in his memoirs was repeating the cover story, not recalling what was actually in the journal. Faced with two whistleblower attempts to reveal an event now synonymous with war crimes, Powell deferred to his command and instead held the company line. In 1971, he testified on behalf of a general who ordered the shooting of unarmed civilians from helicopters during the general's trial for war crimes arguing that such action made sense given the difficulty of counterinsurgency warfare among the hostile populace. Yeah, so let's just shoot them from the air. Powell's small but unhesitating contribution to the My Lai cover-up is hardly surprising, writes historian Jeffrey Matthews. His superiors had clearly set the example Little in Powell's personal development or professional training prepared him, much less encouraged him to critically address and consciously challenge his leaders. Moreover, to have done so would have derailed his promising career. That promising career, quote unquote, would bring Powell, after a time, commanding U.S. forces in Korea into the confidence of Casper Cap Weinberger. Ronald Reagan's Secretary of Defense. Powell served him as a senior military assistant. It's a it's a uniform, ununiformed role designed to offer the civilian administration the depth of military knowledge, but it's also a job that implicates those who perform it in politics and miss and misdeeds of the civilian charges. What? That's a little weirdly worded. Weinberg was among several Reagan officials involved in selling weapons to Iran so that the Reagan administration could funnel money to the Contra counter-revolutionaries in Nicaragua. Weinberger was eventually indicted for five charges related to the Iran-Contra, but preemptively pardoned by President George H.W. Bush, Daddy Bush Sr., before he went to trial. Powell was present at at least one meeting in 1985 to negotiate the covert sale of arms in exchange for hostages and reportedly knew much more about the entire operation. So this is the Iran-Contra scandal in which the U.S. government under George H.W. Bush smuggled plane loads of cocaine into the United States, sold that cocaine on the streets of the U.S., creating the crack epidemic 
and then used that money to buy weapons that they then brought to Iran and to the Sandinistas, to the Contras, excuse me, who were fighting the Sandinistas. Um, the pilot was Barry Seal. He's come clean and admitted his role in this. This is how Freeway Ricky Ross, the not the rapper, but the crack dealer, got his start. And he admits that he had a, uh, he says on tape that he had a CIA connection and he was getting really pure blow for really cheap. And this is also why we invaded uh, Panama and why you will never hear from Manuel Noriega, the leader of Panama, because apparently we stopped and used his airstrips in Panama to refuel the planes before we flew into, wait for it, Mena, Arkansas, under Bill Clinton, Governor Bill Clinton. Enter Bill Clinton into the scandal. That's right. How do you think the governor of the poorest state in the country, who had done nothing noteworthy as governor and had many scandals under his belt, how did he get to become a front runner for the presidency? Well, he did business with George Bush, smuggling cocaine into the U.S., and that catapulted him to the national stage. Right. So the first inklings of what would become the Powell Doctrine emerged in this era in a November 1984 speech before the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Weinberger outlined a series of conditions under which it was appropriate for the United States to go to war, like the all volunteer force, which replaced a partially drafted military with a fully professional one. The Weinberger and later Powell doctrines were tools designate, designed to facilitate the use of military force and smooth the way for ongoing open-ended involvement in conflicts abroad, so never-ending wars. The doctrines are commonly misread as cautioning against going to war, but this understanding misses the historical context of their origin. Both doctrines were framed as a response to broadly, wait, in response to broadly the U.S. failure in Vietnam, and more directly to the death of U.S. Marines in Lebanon in 1983. The lesson Powell drew wasn't just that that counterinsurgency is just kind of uh, is a hard war to fight. His other lesson was that the American public needed to be sold on the war for the military to be allowed to wage it. And it was easiest to make that sale if the war was promised to be fast, supported abroad, and with an exit strategy in hand. Wow, so Powell's talking about selling a war and uh, talking about Powell selling a war, and this is years before, you know, he sold us the Iraq war. That the doctrine was more Permission than constraint is apparently is apparent in how Powell, by then chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, described the success of the U.S. military in 1992. Over the past three years, the U.S. armed forces have been used repeatedly to defend our interests and achieve our political objectives, objectives Powell wrote. Yikes. And it goes deeper. In Panama, a dictator was removed from power. In the Philippines, the use of limited force helped save democracy. In Somalia, a daring night raid rescued our embassy. In Liberia, we rescued stranded international citizens and protected our embassy. 
in the Persian Gulf, a nation was liberated. Wow. Moreover, we used our forces for humanitarian relief operations in Iraq, Somalia, Bangladesh, Russia, and Bosnia. Humanitarian relief operations. I wonder if the people on the other end of those operations would agree that they were humanitarian relief. For a generation, it is this version of Powell in 1992 that is fixed forever in memory, promising the benefits of a magnanimous and strong hegemon to the whole of the world, provided, as he argued in the next paragraph, they keep the Pentagon funded. They can keep the Pentagon funded. The no-fly zones over Iraq maintained by the United States and regularly patrolled by the Air Force from the summer of 1992 to the invasions of 2003 suggest the exit strategy comprising one of the three pillars of the Powell Doctrine was, in fact, a phantom third limb, easily ignored and banished from relevance. Right? No, no exit strategy. By refusing to, to stake his reputation on opposing a war he knew to be based on false pretenses, Powell authored the death of hundreds of thousands. Powell stuck around the Clinton administration long enough to implement the formal don't ask, don't tell ban on military service by out queer people, then left public office until President George W. Bush named him Secretary of State borrowing Powell's gravitas to legitimize the administration court-decided installation. Because of that role, Powell will forever be synonymous with his testimony before the United Nations in February 2003, where he cited flawed intelligence and flimsy evidence to make a case for the second U.S. invasion of Iraq. That war, which has likely killed 300,000 people, was a foregone conclusion by the time he went before the United Nations. The real fight, whether the Bush administration would take, would invade Iraq after it was already in Afghanistan and refusing to exit strategy a way out, <clears throat> took place in the summer and fall of 2002. But Powell played a critical role in selling the war to the American public. Yeah, didn't he? So, you know, hero, nice guy. No, I don't think so. He's a war criminal. He's a liar. He's a war criminal. You know, he's part of the New World Order. Yada, yada, yada. He, he was a henchman for the New World Order. So, there it is. Colin frickin' Powell. Yeah, so, the article continues. Let's see. Let me pick out some little nuggets here. It continues for quite a ways, but uh, I think you get the gist of it. Colin Powell was a lying war criminal. You know? So here's another quote. By remaining in his role, Powell set a template for how future officials would find their image used to commit malfeasance in office. Oh. But, yeah, I think we're going to leave it there. I don't want to talk about him anymore. But uh, suffice to say, 
he's a war criminal. You know, he covered up the My Lai massacre. Uh, he was fundamental in lying us into the Iraq war, you know, and um, and he's a career military slash politician. So, you know. The Powell Doctrine. Yeah, not going to miss that guy. Not going to miss that guy. What do we got in the house? Apparently we got a. Got somebody in. Well, maybe, maybe not. Anyway, thank you for tuning in, folks. This has just uh, been a short one, half hour on Colin Powell. You know, so, yep, war criminal, Milai massacre, the Iraq war, the Iran Contra scandal. You know, for those of you who don't know about the Iran-Contra scandal, look into it. Um, there's some great, great documentaries on it. One, let me find, I'll find it for you right now. Give me one second and I will pull this up. Um, It's um, well, there's so many. So here's one: the Mena, Arkansas connection, CIA documentary. Um, CIA. Here's another one: CIA gun running, drug smuggling, and money laundering in Mena, Arkansas. CBS Part One. That's from CBS News. Here it is. Here's the one I was looking for. The Mina Connection. 1995. That's what it is. The, let me double check. See, a lot of these videos keep being taken off the internet. And, um, and then people keep reposting them. The MENA connection. Bush, Clinton, and the CIA drug smuggling. Yep, there it is. The MENA connection. And MENA is spelled M-E-N-A. The MENA connection. And here's another one. Freeway Ricky on his role in the Reagan era uh, Iran-Contra drugs and weapons scandal. So, you know, you can go far, far down the rabbit hole. Um, American made the real Barry seal. That was the plane. Um, the movie American made was about this, but that was a Hollywood movie. Um, yeah. And then there's another one obstruction of justice, the Mina connection. Yeah. So, um, do check that out. Do check that out. Got a message. What's happening? What's happening? And another thing. What's happening, my brother? Peace, love, and prosperity. Want to stop through and show some love. Wishing you an awesome podcast on this beautiful Friday night. 
Man, keep doing what you do. Stay amazing and keep fighting a good fight. Make sure y'all keep it locked. The listeners, share the show, clap it up, and keep it locked right here on Stereo. Why, thank you, Mr. Frank (laughs) Frank Lewis of the Love Heart Network. Man, Frank Lewis with the uh, golden voice of stereo right there. I, uh, I'm flattered. Why, thank you, Frank. Uh, appreciate it. Much love. I was just doing a little uh, conversation about Colin Powell and, and how he's kind of got a history of warmongering and being a little bit of a war criminal. Um, but, you know, did that for a half hour. So I think I'm going to switch gears now and move on to like a chill vibe Friday thing. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode and another thing with Dave. Please follow, subscribe, and share. I'm on all social media and another thing with Dave. And keep seeking the truth.